Let me read to you a little bit about what Psalm 23 says before you're seated. Um, it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you, God, are with me. Say with me. A couple of years ago at Christmas time, I was talking about Emmanuel, Jesus being God with us. I talked about how valuable it is for us sometimes not to even have words, but just with people, not even be, just with them. I used it as a verb. You remember that? Uh, do you know God is with us? And even when you walk through the darkest valleys, he is with us. It says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And today, if you feel alone, if you feel like there's nobody else in the world that has your phone number or is aware of what's going on in your life, uh, maybe you've been rejected, maybe somebody's walked away, maybe you've lost somebody important in your life, I want you to know God is with you and you're not alone. So uh, just before we're seated, would you bow your heads and, and pray with me this morning? God, thank you for these powerful promises. And today, God, we just need to know in some tangible way that you are with us. These words are great. The Bible is so helpful. It's so comforting. But today, will you just take another step in our direction and help us feel you? Will you just help us sense that you are near and that you're wrapping your arms around us and that you love us very, very deeply? And I thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Everybody say amen. 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 We got an email this week from uh, one of our missionaries that we support, Nikki Stubbs. And a few weeks ago, uh, I, I let you know that Nikki was needing a motorbike. And we took a collection for her. And in one Sunday, we were able to raise enough money to not just buy her a motorbike, but to license and insure it as well. And so she sent us a picture. I think we've got it up here. She wanted us to see what she chose. It is not pink. And it's not Connect Church Green either. That's what we were hoping for. She sent us a thank you letter. So let me just read this to you. To my beautiful Connect Church family, my heart is overwhelmed by your generosity. My heart is overwhelmed by your generosity and love towards me. Thank you for going above and beyond to gift this motorbike to me in which I will be able to use to reach the island of Bali. This enables me to travel more to villages throughout the island on outreach trips, travel to ministry places, as well as giving me an opportunity to give rides to those who don't have a motorbike. This bike is an answer to prayer that I've been trusting the Lord for for quite some time. I am beyond blessed and I am so grateful to be a part of this beautiful Connect family. Each of you are playing a part of what God is doing here in Indonesia. People's hearts are being changed toward the church here in Bali because I share about how much you all love and support me and it's astonishing to them how a church can love and support a person so well because it's not the story of many missionaries I know. Connect knows how to love well and you are making a mark on the nations. Thank you for partnering with me to extend the kingdom and make disciples here in Indonesia through your love, generosity, and prayers. I love you all so much, Nikki Stubbs. So thank you very much on Nikki's behalf. If you're new with us today, if you're a guest with us, we're really glad you're here. This is a good time for you to join us. 
Uh, last week on Easter Sunday, we started a new message series that we're calling Finding Your Way Back to God. And uh, I'm just very excited about what we're talking about for the next few weeks. Last week, I shared with you a line that I, I think probably most of you could say with me today, God wants to be found even more than you want to find him. And uh, I got that line from a, a great book that I'm reading, and, and we have it available for you if you want to pick it up. It's called Finding Your Way Back to God, brand new book by Dave Ferguson and John Ferguson. Uh, these are a couple of guys, brothers actually, who are church planters in the Midwest, and they're, uh, they're revolutionizing the way that we are helping people come back to God and reconnect to God. And uh, this book I, I'm anticipating is going to be a life changer for many, many people. And so uh, we're going to be uh, talking about some principles from this book. I'm going to be teaching for the next five weeks on how to find your way back to God. And uh, I want to encourage you, if you're on the journey, if you're finding your way back to God, I can't think of a better resource other than the Bible that I could recommend to you that can help you on your journey and give you some insights on coming back to God. Uh, but I know this is a church and we're full of people that have already reconnected to God. And so uh, what I want to suggest to you is if you're a Christian and you're serious about being on mission and helping your friends and neighbors and relatives reconnect to God, pick up a book because this is going to give you some principles to help you understand what the journey looks like. I had a really interesting experience this last week. I was meeting with a couple of veterans and uh, and there's a, a young man who is a veteran of the Iraq War who is, is working on bringing in a special speaker that would minister and speak to veterans. And, and, and he's, had a, he's had a pretty troubled journey coming back to God. It's kind of been uh, three steps forward, four steps back, <laughs> four steps forward. Two, I, I mean, it, he's just had a hard time in his relationship with Jesus. And, and the other guy in our meeting was an old Vietnam vet who's been around for a long time. He's walked with Jesus for years. And uh, he kind of got on his preach for a minute, and he started telling the young buck, you know, that, that, uh, that he should be doing better in his walk with Jesus. And then he caught himself, and he said, you know, every once in a while I forget what it's like to be new in the journey back to God. How many of you know that after we've been walking with Jesus for a while, we can get pretty, pretty impatient with people that are in process, right? Uh, this book will help you. Uh, one of the things that the book talks about that I'm going to be teaching for the next five weeks are five awakenings uh, that happen to all of us in the journey. Five awakenings that are common to all of us. And I'm going to be talking about that first awakening today. It's the awakening to longing. So uh, this book is like 22 bucks retail. They're $17 on Amazon. We can sell them to you today because we got a screaming deal on them. You won't find a price any lower. We're selling them for 10 bucks, And uh, we just want everybody that wants one to have one. So uh, I, I think it's a great resource, and I hope you'll read it along with me. And I'll talk about a, a way you can use that book a little bit more in just, in just a bit. But uh, I want to talk today about that awakening to longing. And the, the awakening to longing is something in us that says, there's got to be more. There's got to be more. Um, in my family, uh, we, we are a family of collectors. And I've talked about this before. My, my mom is a collector. She collects everything from bone china cups to 
uh, teddy bears to shoes to, I mean, you name it, my mom collects it. And, and so I've kind of been bitten by the collector's bug. And, and every once in a while, I, I have to be honest, I get a little greedy and I want some of my mom's stuff because there's stuff that, that I really like. And, and uh, one of the things that, that years ago I kind of got attached to, my mom has a teddy bear that she has had since she was in high school and has kind of a sweet story. She's got one sister, and uh, when they were growing up, they were very, very close. And one Christmas time when they were both in high school, there was a store. They grew up in Cutbank, Montana. And uh, there was a store downtown that had these teddy bears for sale. And, uh, and unbeknownst to each other, they each bought the other one, the same teddy bear for Christmas. And so on Christmas morning when they were opening their presents, they each opened up the exact same teddy bear. So this is a treasure. And my mom has had that teddy bear in her home in a special place all her life. And uh, somehow along the line, and I honestly can't remember how, uh, it ended up in my house. And, um, and every time my mom comes to visit, she complains about me stealing that teddy bear. And, uh, and, and I said, Mom, you gave it to me. And we've had this conversation for at least 10 years. Mom, you gave me the teddy bear. I would never let that teddy bear go. You stole the teddy bear. And we've had this, this conversation. And, and the teddy bear is in our guest room. It sits on a little chair. And, and, and I just, I just, I'm kind of attached to that dumb little old 60-year-old teddy bear. Um, but, but a few weeks ago, Chris and I went to Great Falls uh, to, to check in with the church up there, and I walked into Mom and Dad's house and walked into her TV room, and there's my teddy bear sitting on her couch. And, and I said, how did that teddy bear get in Great Falls? And, uh, and she said, see, you didn't even miss it. I stole it last time I came to your house. <laughs> and so we have this back and forth thing, and, 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 and here, here's the truth of the matter. Uh, because I've got that collector bug that my mom passed on to me, every once in a while I get greedy and I want some of her stuff. And, and, and I know that someday, you know, uh, I, I hope many years from now, I hope we have many more years with, with my mom, but someday all of that stuff is going to come to me and I, I just have to be patient. But every once in a while I get greedy and, 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 and I don't want all of it. I just, I just want a couple of things, right? And, and, and you probably can relate to that. Uh, but this morning, I, w- I want to ask you this, this question. Have you, have you ever been to that place where you just want what you know is coming to you and you get impatient and you want it all now? I can, I can remember as a young man, um, and, and I kind of had a, a, a slow start career-wise, and, uh, and I would see some of my other friends in their careers and they'd be buying houses and buying buying things and buying guns and I would look at at all their assets and what what they were experiencing and I'd get a little jealous and I'd feel like why isn't it coming to me why why is everything so slow for me maybe you've been there maybe you are there or have you felt ripped off by life and you just feel like life has given you a raw deal or um do, do you just feel like you need to get what's coming to you I want mine and I want it now and, and if any of those things sound familiar to you in, in those quiet moments of your life, then you will probably relate to the young man in the story that we're going to be reading over the next five weeks, in a story that Jesus told called The Prodigal Son. We showed a video last week about The Prodigal Son, and this week we're going to start uh, dissecting this story that Jesus told. And Jesus 
told this story in Luke chapter 15. If you want to turn there in your Bible, you're welcome to. We're going to just read a part of the story today, and it will be up on the screen. It's already up there. And, uh, and, and this is the story that Jesus told. We're going to just read the beginning of the story today and then talk about what we can learn from this young man who wanted what was coming to him really before he was ready for it. So here's, what, here's the story that Jesus said, told. Jesus said, a man had two sons, and the younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. Can you imagine, those of you that are parents, can you imagine how that would feel if your kids came and said that to you? It'd be pretty hurtful, right? Uh, my mom gets her shorts all in a wad just over a teddy bear. You know, I, I can just imagine how she would feel if, I shouldn't have said that, sorry. Um, <laughs> my mom listens to my podcast. She's going to not be happy about that. Um, I can imagine how hurt she would be if I said, Mom, I want everything now, and I don't care if you're alive or dead. I just want your stuff, right? That would be hurtful. But this is what this son said to his father. So his father, who evidently was very, very compassionate, agreed to divide his wealth between his two sons. Now, pay attention. This is the younger son. And in Jewish culture, the younger son really inherited very little. It was the older son that got everything. But this dad not only agreed to give his wealth to his younger son, but, but evidently he gave him way more than he was even going to get in his inheritance. And so uh, verse 13 says, a few days later, this younger son packed all of his belongings and moved to a distant land where he wasted all of his money with wild living. Now, uh, if, you've, if you're familiar with the Bible at all, you know that the New Testament is written in the Greek language, and we just read an English translation. And that word wild living in the Greek language, you know what it means? It means wild living. Um, that, that's really a very good translation. And, and in, in Jesus' day, it meant pretty much the same thing that it means today. It meant that this son went out, and, and he was reckless with his life. He was extravagant in his spending. Uh, and, and this word in the Greek language also implies a lack of morals and, and a lot of promiscuity. So everything that we imagine in wild living in 2015 is exactly what this word meant when Jesus was telling the story about this young, young man. Uh, today he would say he was really a playa, you know, and, and, and that's kind of how we would describe this young man. He was... He was living large. But if you know the story at all, you know that when this money ran out, the prodigal son discovered what we all discover when our resources run out. Uh, we experience this awakening to longing. And we start saying to ourselves, there's got to be more. There's got to be more than just a bunch of money. There's got to be more than just loose women. There's got to be more th to this life than what I'm experiencing right now. There's got to be more. We become aware at some point in our lives, if I were to have you raise your hands, I bet every single person in this room would raise your hand and say at some point you realized I am longing for something more. I'm longing for something more. And so today I want to talk about three things that we're all longing for. Whether you're a follower of Christ or whether you're, you're, you're just starting the journey home, wherever you are in this journey, there's three longings that are common to all of us. And the first one is this. We're all longing for love. 
We're all longing for love. The prodigal son was obviously looking for love. Later on in the story, and we'll get to this in a couple of weeks when we talk about this part of the story, but uh, his older brother goes to his father. He's real annoyed, the older brother. And he says, this son of yours has devoured your property with prostitutes. So evidently it wasn't just good food and, and fancy clothes that the young son was wasting his money on. It was also with prostitutes. He was going out and spending his money looking for love in all the wrong places, <laughs> right? We kind of have to sing it, right? I, anybody want to do that? All right, nobody's going for that. I'm not going to either. But it's no different in, in this son's day than it is in our day. Uh, loneliness, the reality is loneliness can drive us to look for love in hopeless places, not just the wrong places, but hopeless places. And if you think about it, uh, there's a lot of places you can look for love and find that you come to the end of your rope. Prostitutes, hookups, one-night stands, friends with benefits, porn, uh, or, or just simply really stupid relationship choices. How many of you have ever made a really stupid relationship choice? <laughs> Some of you are rolling your eyes. Uh, and, and what's the longing? We're looking for love, right? I mean, that's, that's a deep, deep thing in all of us. We're looking for love. And if you found yourself at any time in your life knocking on the door of self-destructive behaviors or relationships, you might actually be at a really important place in your journey back to God. Why would I say that? Because the disappointment that you feel in the morning when you've woken up in a bed and you don't remember where you got there. That disappointment that you feel will force you to ask the question, where can I find real love? Where can I find real love? Now this is what I fundamentally believe. I believe God created us to crave love. I believe that that craving that you feel is something that God put in your heart. And I know that because of several things that we read in the Bible. Uh, for instance, if you go back to Genesis chapter 1, and I'm not going to read from there today, but uh, if you're not familiar with the very beginning of the Bible, this would be something you could read today, later on today. Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2. We learn some really important things about how we were created in those chapters. In Genesis chapter 1, the, the story is told about how God created the heavens and the earth, and in, in six days, he created everything that we saw, and at the end of each day, do you remember what God said when he was done creating? It's good. And, and, and everything that he created was good. We can look around creation, we can say, wow, it's good. And then in chapter 2, the story is told, it's kind of expanded, and, 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 and we learn more details about how man was created. And in chapter 2, there's a big difference from chapter 1 because he creates man. And then if you've ever read this, you'll remember this. God looked at Adam, the very first man, and he said, it is not good for man to be alone. First chapter, everything's great. Second chapter, God realizes it's not good for a man to be alone. All the men in the audience say, Amen. Yep, we, we, we know that. It, it's visceral. It's gut deep. Why? Because God created us to be loved. 
God created you to be loved. God created me to be loved. It's fundamental to who we are. There's a verse in Romans that says this. We know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. In 1 John 4, we read this. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. That is such an important verse from the Bible. How do we know that God loved us? We know that God loved us because Jesus came. God didn't just put us on this earth and and set everything spinning and then just walk away and say, good luck, I, I hope you figure it out. He realized that something was broken. He realized that our relationship with God was broken. He realized that sin was separating us from him. And so the the smartest thing he could do, the wisest choice God could make was to send his son, perfect in every way, to offer himself as a sacrifice for sins so that we wouldn't have to rely on karma that idea that somehow good and bad will balance out and somehow good will win out and hopefully I'll be good enough to get to God. God said karma's never going to work. He said my son will pay the price so we can be free to reconnect to God. That's how much God loves you. Later on in that chapter, 1 John 4, verse 14, just says very simply, God is love. And if you're taking notes this morning, this is what I want you to write down. This is, this is, this is uh, life-changing. This one sentence. God doesn't just have what we're longing for. God is what we're longing for. I, I want that to sink into your mind. God doesn't just have what we're looking for. God is what we're longing for. God is love. And if this is one of those things that you're longing for, you've got this visceral thing, I'm looking for more, I know there's got to be more, I'm longing for love, I want you to know you will never be satisfied until you're reconnected to God. That's what you're longing for. He is what you're longing for. But there's another longing we want to talk about this morning, and it's the longing for purpose. In addition to love, we're all really longing for purpose. Have you ever asked yourself, what on earth am I here for? Um, Our Wednesday night small group has been talking about this for months. What on earth am I here for? What's my purpose? This um, This is how the prodigal son felt when he left. Really, I think if if we look at this story very carefully, we can see he's searching for purpose. And and he figured that his purpose was going to be found in pleasure, wild living. If I just satisfy my urges, whatever they are, I'm going to find that my hunger for purpose, my longing for purpose is going to be met. But it all came up empty. This is the end of the story, and we'll continue on this in the next few weeks. Um, and, and this is our common experience. We all come to the point where we say, this just feels meaningless. Why? Because really one of our greatest fears in life is insignificance. I have felt that deeply in my life. I don't want to die and be insignificant. I was thinking about this this week, and I was thinking back to when I was young, 
and, and I don't know why this is a vivid memory for me, but I can remember on, on Memorial Day weekend, every year, my family will go to decorate graves. This was a big thing to my grandparents. And so my parents uh, kind of took on the tradition. And every Memorial Day weekend, we would go and we would put flowers and wreaths and, and things on. How many of you still do that on Memorial Day? It, it's something that the younger generation really isn't doing much anymore. But this was a big thing in, in our family. And, and when I was younger, I can remember wandering around the cemetery and looking at all the grave markers and thinking to myself, I don't want one of those grave markers that's just flat on the ground where the lawnmower runs over it. I want one of the big, giant gravestones. The bigger, the better, the taller. I, I, I want it to be huge. Why? Well, even as a kid, I didn't want to die and, and, and feel like I was insignificant, right? I wanted to leave a legacy. In the, I, I wanted people to remember who I am. I, I, I wanted a grave marker that, and even today when I go to a, a cemetery, I, I, I feel kind of bad that even the big gravestones, all there is is a name and a couple of dates and maybe a, a, a sentence. I, I, think, I think gravestones should come with a photo album, you know? I, really, I, or, or a memory book or, or a list of people that were influenced, something. There, there just should be more. Why? Because we don't want to be insignificant, right? That's a, that's a fundamental thing that's, that's just deep, deep in us. One of our core desires is to live a life of purpose. If you follow sports at all, you know the name Tom Brady. He is the quarterback for the, for the Patriots, and he's been playing football for quite a while now. And uh, about 10 years ago, he gave an interview to CBS that has been widely circulated. You may have seen part of this. And, and he says something that I think is stunning. Take a look at this. Isn't that fascinating? God, there's got to be more. I, I mean, most of us in this room would look at him and say, I would trade places with him any day. You know, uh, great body, great looks, success, money. He's, he's got it all. But Peyton Manning is saying there's got to be more. I, I, I tried to find today 
to, or, or this week to see if he's found more, and I can't find any evidence that he has. He's still playing football. He's still making money. He's married to a supermodel. But I bet if he's not yet reconnected to God, I bet there's still that core craving. There's got to be more. Why? Because God wants to satisfy that in us with himself. And he wants you to know the truth about your value and your purpose. Do you feel like you have no value? Do you feel like you have no purpose? Let me read a a verse from the Bible that, again, it's a game changer. It's found in Ephesians 2. It says, for we are his workmanship. Say workmanship. Kind of a weird word. We are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should work in them. Let me tell you about that word workmanship. In the Greek language that the New Testament is written in, it's the word poema. And it's where we get our English word poem. And so if we were going to translate that verse literally, we would say, we are his poem. Some translations say we are his masterpiece. We are God's work of art. Did you know God created you? He created created me, Russ Michaels, to be his work of art. He created me to be his ideal picture of what a human being looks like. Okay, now don't look too closely. (laughs) But Stan Dykstra, he created you to be his work of art. He, He created you, Pam, to be his work of art, his masterpiece. And and what's our purpose? He created us to do good works. And so if you're taking notes, you can write this down. You are, or maybe even cross out uh, you are and put in I am. I am God's work of art created to do his purpose. When you're reconnected to God, when you find your way back home to God, you're going to find that he gives you a purpose and, and he gives you a mission for you to devote your life to. And you know what? It's not just about sports. It's not just about making money. It's not just about finding pleasure in whatever way that feels good. It's about following God on the mission. And it makes all the difference in the world. God gives you a purpose. And I hope that you will... Uh, that you will find that in your life if you're on the journey and you're coming home to him. So he, cre- he gives us this longing for love. He gives us a longing for purpose. And there's one more. There's a third one I want to talk about today. And it's this. We're longing for answers. We're longing for answers. This is probably the hardest one, and, and I don't have time. I could, I could teach for six weeks on the questions that we all have. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time here today. Uh, There's a a whole chapter in this book that we're offering you today that devotes itself to this this longing, a a longing for answers. And and, and the reality is, I I wish I could tell you that when you you come home to God that he just answers all your questions. And, And he doesn't. We still have them. But there is an answer that I'll share with you in just a moment. But the questions that we struggle with usually relate to why. Why did that happen to me? When I got to church this morning, 
uh, Forrest Bagley came up and shared with me that a, a good friend of his, a co-worker, who is a drummer at another church here in town, was killed yesterday in an avalanche near Big Sky. He was, he was skiing and was killed. In, 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 and I saw Bobby Revere, one of the, the guitar players that plays with us, posted on Facebook this morning, terrible tragedy. Christian young man gave himself to the purpose of God. I didn't know him, but some of you probably did. And, and, and what it, we can't help but ask ourselves why. We've got a, a young man here at Connect who lost his mother a few days or a few years ago, when he was in middle school, and and um, and every once in a while I get the chance to meet with him, and one of the big things he asks me is, "Why did this happen to me? Why is my mom gone?" Most of us have suffered some sort of tragedy that just seems unjust. It it seems right to us that we should all um, live to ninety years old, and that. Our parents should die when they're 100 years old. And, and you know, there just seems a, uh, we have an expectation. And, and the reality is the world's unfair. And, and so it leads us to ask a couple of questions that we all struggle with. One of them is this. If God is all loving, why does he allow suffering? You've asked that question. Maybe you've never even said it out loud, but you've asked that question. If God is all loving, why is there suffering in this world? And the companion question is just as difficult. If God is all-powerful, why does evil exist in this world? Why are there evil people that, that fly airplanes into the Twin Towers? Why are there evil people in the world that are beheading their enemies who haven't even offended them personally? If God is all-powerful, why doesn't he just zap them with lightning and, and put it to an end? And, and these questions become stumbling blocks for us when we're finding our way back to God. And, and, and again, I want to be honest with you and tell you I don't have easy answers to these questions. But I do want to say this. There is an answer that is not true that we all need to be aware of. And the, the answer to the problem of suffering is not that God doesn't love us. It's really important that you hear this. The conclusion that many of us have come to is because there's tragedies in the world and, 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 and because the world is unjust, because difficult things have happened to us, we can come to the conclusion that God doesn't love us or that God isn't all-powerful. Those aren't the answers. I don't know exactly what the answers are, but that's not the answer. How do I know? I can tell you very confidently that that's not the answer because God, in his compassion, sent his only son to enter into our suffering so that he could be with us in the suffering. Jesus went through the most horrific of deaths if you don't understand that, watch the movie The Passion of the Christ. It'll shake you to your core. And understand Jesus is God, and he subjected himself to all the pain that we went through, the pain of death, the pain of rejection, the, the, the pain of injustice, all of the pain that we, that we are so familiar with, God understands because he went through it, through it with us. And so we can't possibly come to the conclusion that the problem is that God doesn't love us. Quite the contrary. There is evil in the world. There's injustice in the world. And 
God loves us. And God loves us. So if you're on the journey and you have this longing to have your answers to the questions that are so difficult, I want you to know this. You may never find the answers, but when you come to Jesus, when you make your, your way home to God, you'll find that he's with you in the suffering and he's with you in the pain. So let me give you a couple of next steps and then we're going to pray and we're going to sing today. Uh, last week I shared with you a prayer that I encourage you to pray every day and I hope that many of you did take up the challenge and, and I, I phrase it in the, in the form of a wager that, that, that I believe and, and will you take a risk with me if you will pray this prayer every day that God will make himself real to you and the prayer was very simple. God, if you're real, make yourself real to me. And if you're on this journey with us this week, I want to encourage you to add a sentence to that prayer and pray this prayer all this week. Would you just read this out loud with me? God, if you're real, make yourself real to me. Awaken in me the ability to see that you are what's missing in my life. If you're on a journey to come back to God, would you pray that prayer every day this week? Remember last week I shared with you that there's all kinds of verses in the Bible that promise that if we will take a step towards God, he will meet us there. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. These are promises. This is why I, this is why I say take a bet on God. Just try. Just pray a prayer. See what he does. And, and this is one more step. Awaken in me the ability to see that you are what's missing in my life. So that's the first step that I want to encourage you to take. And then the second step is this. I want to ask you to journal every day this week. Journal every day this week. If you pick up the book back at the Welcome Center, in the back of the book is a section, a 30-day journaling uh, a journaling pages. For 30 days, there's, there's a place. And, and each day, there's this prayer that we're going to pray. And then there's also two questions that you can ask yourself and, and fill in in the book. Uh, if you don't want to pick up a book, but you still want to journal, what we're going to do is, is this week, we're going to post the questions on Connect Church's Facebook page. So, um, and even if you're not a Facebook user, you can, you can find it by going to Facebook and, and searching for Connect Church. And we're going to post these journal questions on, on Facebook. You can answer the questions right there if you want to on Facebook, or just journal them privately for yourself. But for the next six days, I want to ask you to answer these questions. And this applies whether you're on the journey coming back to God or if you've walked with Jesus for 40 years. Um, these questions will help you remember what it was like to be on the journey, and it will help you. Like my vet friend that I told you about earlier, uh, he needs to be reminded so he, he can be a little patient for people that are on the journey. This will help you get an eye for what people are going through as you remember what the journey was like for you. So I want to ask everybody here this week, will you journal for the next six days? It will take you 10 minutes to write the answers to the question. But I think it will help us be on mission for Jesus. And if you're on, in the process of coming back to God, it's going to help you identify these longings that you have that I believe are drawing you to come home to the Father. So pray a prayer, journal every day this week, and I believe that God is going to draw near to us as we draw near to him.
We're going to sing in just a minute, and we're going to pray in just a minute. Uh, but let me tell you what's going to happen next week. Uh, we're going to continue on this path of talking about uh, these awakenings that happen to all of us as we're on the journey. Uh, today I talked about longing. Next week we're going to talk about the awakening to regret. Many of you will remember when this awakening came to you and you said to yourself, I wish I could start over. How many of you remember that maybe it was yesterday? <laughs> I wish I could start over. It's going to be a powerful powerful experience for us next week as we talk about what that feels like and how we get a second chance in this life. For some of us, third, fourth, fifth, sixth chance. I wish I could start over. So I hope you'll be with us next week. Uh, we'll pray in just a minute. Why don't you stand with us and let's sing together this morning. Let's pray together. God, I just want to thank you this morning for giving us these longings. I think the difficult thing is, Lord, we, we seem to look in all the wrong places for love, for purpose, for answers. In reality, they're just driving us back to you. And so thank you, Lord, for giving us these longings. And Lord, I pray that as we come to you and as we surrender to you, God, that you will begin to meet those needs. I realize that when we, when we first come back to you, Father, you don't always just give us the love of our life and you don't bless us with perfect careers and you don't tie everything up in a neat little bow. I realize that those are unrealistic expectations. But what I do know from my own experience is that you begin to satisfy those longings by this wonderful connection that I have with you. So I want to pray for all my friends in this room today, God, that you will begin to satisfy the deepest longings that we have. And I thank you, Jesus. And I want to pray one more prayer just before uh, we close today. And, and if you would just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed to give everybody a little privacy this morning. I, I want to pray for you. If, if you need to just surrender your life to God today, and you want to say yes to Jesus and ask him to forgive your sins and you want to come home to God, I want to pray for you today. And I'm not going to make you come up here or embarrass you in any way, but I'd love to know if I'm praying with somebody specifically. So would you raise your hand if you want me to pray that prayer with you today? And I'd be so honored. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Two people this morning. Anybody else before we pray? Three. Yep, I see you over here. Thank you. Awesome. All right, would you just join me in praying this prayer out loud? Everybody in the room, would you repeat this after me? And if you raised your hand, would you pray this from a really deep place in your heart? Would you pray this with me? Lord Jesus Christ, I know you love me. And I've been looking for love in wrong places. I'm ready to reconnect to you. So I ask you to wash my sins away. Give me a fresh start. Reconnect me to the Father. And change me from the inside out. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.
three people reconnected to God this morning. How cool is that? <laughs>